Welcome down to North Star Community's weekly message podcast recap. Recap podcast? Yes, Podcast Central. Do we even have a... I guess we do have a name. We call it Listen Up on Facebook. So We do, and I like that image you have, too. Yeah. Who are you, anyway? I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors at North Star Community, and you are? Teresa. I'm the other pastor at North Star Community. You make it sound like there's 72 of us. Well, people can come to whatever conclusions they please. <laughs> okay. Um. So, we... Where are we? We are at the end of a very long series of messages. About doing hard things. Yeah. And um, the last time that we podcasted, well, technically it wasn't, but the order that that they will appear on phones in is we did one on 10% more. Right. Um, doing 10% more, where... Since it was, I mean, since it was your message, do you want to say kind of the heart, the heart of 10% more? Yeah, just thinking about my 10% more um, is being, how could I do, do just a little bit more that sort of leans into my core values and the person I aspire to be? Just a little bit more. You know, no pressure, just a little bit more intentionality, just a little bit more kindness, just a little bit more... Whatever uh, that I identify as a behavior, uh, action um, that fits with the person I want to become. Yeah, I think um, I think uh, what we spent some time talking about is if we set the bar too high, it's ultimately very demotivating for us. Like if we if we think that we have to do too much then we may as well do nothing at all because we know we're never going to hit that gold standard. Yep. And so I think where your message fits in is, hey, we can do a little bit more to contribute to the flourishing of the world around us. Um, And it's okay to think in small, making small, you know, I think one of the phrases you've used time and time again over the years is small next right steps. Yep. And I think this would be a similar idea of just like take... Take think about one little thing you can do and do it a little bit more than what you're currently doing. And it's just like a manageable chunk. Yes, and it's moving us towards doing hard things, right? Yeah. Instead of just having this black or white, all or nothing, grandiose plan of becoming a completely different human being. Right. So, um, yeah, it, there's that. And um, so we did that. And then I always have a message remorse. So I always spend at least 24 hours after a weekend. Usually I spend a good bit of my Monday thinking about all the things that could have gone wrong based on what I said and how people could have interpreted it. Mm-hmm. A little worst case scenario planning. Yeah, it's my specialty. And... Um, so this message came out of that. Okay. It's like this message was for the person that feels like 10% more is 10% more than they'll ever be capable of doing. Yeah. So this message is like um, if you <laughs> if you heard last week's message and thought, uh, I'm totally incapable of even that, um, what what hope is there for me? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's this message. Right. So for the hopeless person who thinks that even doing a little bit more uh, is too much, what words do you have? You're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so um, can I give you a little bit of how I got to this message in addition to that? Sure. So one of the uh, things that I've been doing 10% more of personally in my life was I have been adding some behaviors uh, intended to be 10% more creative okay um and to try to draw from some different resources in my life that are very different and off the grid for me and creativity is definitely off the grid for me okay and so but i i was very thoughtful about how i did that because it was so hard i had to find a way that it was going to be different but still in keeping with the way my brain works. So I decided a few months ago to start taking a clay class. Okay. And the reason I chose clay rather than painting or, um, you know, I don't know. I don't see. I'm so uncreative. I don't even know what creative is. Like well, class work, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. I chose clay. And the reason I chose clay is because I have perpetually been intrigued by the imagery in the scripture that paints God as the potter and us as the clay, Mm -hmm. his vessel that he molds and shapes and works and that it's his work to do. And I often return to that imagery in my devotionals and in my meditation. And it occurred to me when I was looking for creative outlets that I might really have a new perspective on what it means to be clay if I figured out what it meant to work with clay. Mm -hmm. So that's how I started doing that. And then I'm so excited to report. Do you happen to know, before before you give us your report, Okay. do you happen to know if they had potter's wheels in biblical times? They did. Okay. They absolutely did have potter's wheels. They must have been different. Um. Yeah, I don't know how they used them, but they definitely had potter's wheels. Um, and um, they also did a lot of slab work. So, yeah. Yeah, slab work is where you take the clay and you roll it out to a consistency, and then you kind of put it together like Lego pieces. So you have seams and you put it out. And Anyway, yeah. Okay. This is a slab work class that I'm working on, so I'm not exactly on the wheel, but I think that traditionally when we read about... So slab work, it means not using the wheel. Not using the wheel. Okay. So when you use a slab work... So anyway, what I'm really excited about is that (laughs) um, I got... I, I had an insight, you know, it just... It was so great when I was doing my class. So we were we're into the second class that I'm taking. It's on slab work. You you roll the clay out like a pizza pie and you carry it to your table and you've got to keep it flat. And I've got a great teacher. And uh, one of the things she instructed us is she said, now, when you work with this slab of clay, you've got to be very careful because there are some things that you can do in molding the clay 
that you are making a permanent impression on the clay and you won't even know you did it. You're making a mistake. It's going to permanently damage the product. Yep. And you're not even going to know it happened until you see that, that it's ruined. That, well, not necessarily ruined, but definitely your finished product is going to look different than you thought. And it may feel like it's ruined, right, if you're going for a certain thing. I was like, this is fascinating. So um, my um, table. In other words, you would have a hard time. You, you, could, you could make... Uh, you could make a mistake early on that would prevent you from realizing your vision. Yes, you may get something else usable out of it, but it wouldn't be um, what you had what you had planned on. Yes, and um, and and the impression was made in the clay. So clay has an incredible memory. So all our podcast listeners who have who are so loyal and have listened to us realize that this would excite me, I'm sure, because I'm spending so much time thinking about early childhood trauma and early impressions that are made on us that we may not even have a memory about, but they impact our bodies in certain ways. Mm-hmm. You, you're you're following me, right? How exciting this is, and um, so this impression. Um, gets made and changes everything henceforth. And listening to that made me think, yeah, this is that this is feeding into my worst fear. Like, um, have impressions been um, made on me that limit my capacity to live an abundant life or live a joyful life or be of service to the kingdom of God? Or, oh my gosh, did I create impressions in your life or your sister's or your brother's life that would forever impact you? This is this is horrifying, <laughs> the possibility, but also challenging, too. What does this mean? Because, you know, um, the message in the scripture is that this is good news that God is a potter and we're the clay. So how do I make sense of this? And lo and behold... I think uh, I found a way to make sense of it that was very encouraging for me. So Okay. Fill us in. So in the ninth chapter of Romans, um, I think I found some words that answer the question for me. Now, remember that the question at this point is, are there things that can happen to you early on in your life that totally screw you up to the point where, you know, you're kind of hosed. Um, and this is what I found. So can I read it to you? Yep. So um, chapter 9, we're kind of in the middle of it. Paul is going to teach us something. He's going to be talking about Rebecca, who was married to Isaac in the Old Testament. And they had twin children, Jacob and Esau, and the whole family system was a hot mess. Okay, so there's that. They had, they had been impressed upon in ways that we would say were negative. Family favoritism, deceitfulness, manipulation, trickery, just the usual family system stuff. And then here's what Paul writes. He says to Rebecca, 
a promise was made that took priority over genetics. When she became pregnant and her babies were still innocent, she received a special assurance from God. What God did in this case made it perfectly plain that his purpose is not his or miss thing dependent on what we do or don't do, but a sure thing determined by his decision flowing steadily from his initiative. I mean, I hope all the listeners are as excited as I am about that. So unpack a little bit about what you're thinking about, because I don't know... I think most times when we read things like that, they're not super self-explanatory. So what are what excites you about that passage? Well, what excites me about it is that Paul is saying quite, quite clearly that God's intentions are beyond our genetics. And for those of us who might have a family lineage, say, that maybe makes us a bit nervous about our viability or usefulness uh, in this world, that's good news. So stuff doesn't just get written into our DNA code that predetermines that we can't participate in this uh, life of the kingdom of God, right? And then the second point that I loved about it is that there's a lot of intentionality going on. So what is going on with us, whether genetically or family system-wise or trauma-related care, um, stuff is being determined by God's decision flowing from a particular initiative, not just the kind of impressions that are made on malleable and vulnerable little lumps of clay. Yeah, and I like it when, I think this happens more often than we think a lot of times, because so often we put the Bible in conflict with modern scientific resources. Right. But when they coalesce, or like when they agree with each other, I think it's a really beautiful thing. And one of the things that we talk about in my classes is that what kind of classes? I'm in, a, I'm in a mental health counseling program. Okay. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is the fact that um, we've developed narratives around cause and effect about people's lives. This thing happened, therefore I'm like this. Right. And what we are learning through a variety of studies is that things are much more difficult to suss out than that. Like, there's rarely one cause for one effect. Now, you may go and talk to a therapist who maybe, you know, was trained a certain way before we had some of this information. They may tell you, you're like this because of that. But what we've learned now is things are much more complicated. Who we are is can rarely be traced back to one event. Yep. And there is a lot of talk about trauma now, and there's talk about trauma-informed care and that's important. That definitely should play a role in the process. But what's most helpful in terms of treatment is treating whatever the problem areas we have are. So say I had an anger management problem. What's most helpful for me is learning how to deal with, according to the new research that's coming out, what's most helpful for me is learning new skill sets for dealing with my anger. Right. Right. 
And so it's not necessarily that we solve the problem by tracing a source. Right. We solve the problem by addressing the problem. Yeah. And I think that that, um, I'll be curious to see if that idea can be tied into your clay pot metaphor, but I think it's closely related in some ways to what we're talking about in Romans, which is the idea that there isn't just an, you know, one event isn't going to cause an imprint that is, uh, that we're incapable of, I don't want to use the phrase overcoming, but, you know, I, th there isn't just one incident that leaves such an imprint that defines our identity. Yeah. See, I love that. And that goes back just to keep us con uh, in a continuous loop of thought here, which is why if your issue is anger management, then your 10% better or more would be deal with your anger issues. Right. But if you think your issue is the fact that you had an abusive parent and that's your narrative, that I am the way I am because of the way I was parented, you are much more likely to feel hosed than to feel hopeful to say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, that was part of my narrative, but that's not the only part of my narrative. And guess what? I'm responsible for my anger management issues now. Now, what resources do I need to come beside me? Right. And to that end, the capacity to live in a world where we can have a need, state a need, and find resources to come along beside us, that to me is a great example of a world that is compassionate and merciful to those who are suffering. And that goes with the next passage in this. Um, so I'm skipping some verses just to be kind to you, dear listener. But here's the next section in that. God told Moses, I'm in charge of mercy. I'm in charge of compassion. Compassion does not originate in our bleeding hearts or moral sweat, but in God's mercy. All we're saying is that God has the first word initiating the action in which we play our part for good or for evil. Boom, our 10%. Mm -hmm. So my 10% can be I can live as a perpetual victim of the bent impressions in my slab, or I can say, no, I want to do 10% more. I want to lean into the possibility that if my issue is anger management, if that's a symptom of my impression, then I believe that God initiated a world that is compassionate and merciful, and I can find resources for my time of need. I love that, Scott McBean. Mm -hmm. I think that's just so absolutely freaking fantastic. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, we don't be, have to be the perfect slab, nor can we have some excuse for why we're an imperfect slab. We can do 10% better so I, I you just you just um i think it was subtle enough that um if you weren't paying super close attention you might miss it so tie more explicitly tie that metaphor of the the potter and the clay to what you just were talking about 
Because you started out with this question, am I irreparably damaged? Then you shared this story about how Clay can kind of be uh, irreparably changed early on. But then you... But then you talked about us as if we're not quite the same way as that. So can you tie this all together? So irreparable change is acknowledging the reality that some of the events early on in our life have really impacted us. Mm -hmm. But if we can see ourselves as living in a world that God initiates as compassion and merciful, being changed isn't a death sentence. In fact, those imperfections can actually be used for good in a positive way. For for example, so I'm going to give you a clay example and then a real life example. Okay. The clay example is my friend who accidentally bent her clay in a way that was a fatal flaw in her mind based on what we inexperienced potters were learning. But then our instructor came over and she looked at her clay and my friend was about to cry that she put a crimp in her slab and the instructor said, look at how, how big this slab is. Let's, let's cut the slab out this way, and you can make a beautiful coffee mug out of this slab. So metaphorically speaking, the potter has the ultimate say. It initiates with him. And he can do with us as he will, knowing full well what our limitations and liabilities and what our promises are, because he knows how to work with the clay. That potter knows clay so well that she took that slab of clay, and in spite of that permanent impression, my friend is going to potentially have a beautiful thing come out of that slab. Yeah, and I, you know, I I know that this would be a point of debate depending on what kind of church you went to, but I mean, I think that that is, that to me is a perfect mirror image of how my way of viewing God, which I understand is not going to be the same as everybody who's listening, that um, when lives don't go according to plan, that I don't like the phrase making... What is the phrase? Making lemons out of lemonade or something like yeah. that? Or making lemonade out of lemons? I don't know which way it goes. It's making lemonade out of lemons because if you can take lemonade and turn it back into a yeah. lemon, you have specials hidden talents. Well, whatever it is, <clears throat> I don't like – that always seems very dismissive to me, like, oh, you should just be able to move on. Right. But I think that God is capable of looking and saying, okay, this didn't go exactly how we thought it would. Let's alter course. Right. And I think that being willing to alter the course and being able to guide that and orchestrate that as only God can um, is a really beautiful thing uh, for all of us. Yes, I love this imagery of being able to alter course. Yeah, and I think that so often when we think about like unexpected speed bumps in the road or unexpected harsh turns or just like you know, kind of the bad, unexpected stuff happens that we think that, well, the future has been changed for the negative. Right. And it's true that it's changed. And it's true that there may be negative emotional consequences, but that doesn't mean that the outcome down the road is inevitably bad. Right. Um, 
you can be put on a new path because of bad thing that happened, because of bad things that have happened. You can grieve those things and trust that there are still desirable, that life can still have joy, that life can still have meaning, that life can still have purpose. I don't want to say that like, you know, that life can be perfect or, or something because no life ever is. I, I, I just don't think that's the outcome. I, right. I don't think that's how we should be thinking about life. Right. Um, but I think that, yeah, that, yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense or not. Yeah, I think you are. And, and let me, and then let me bring this home, uh, like on a personal level. So I've got the metaphor of the clay pot. I think I've managed to carry that all the way through, hopefully, in a way that's somewhat understandable. But, for example, in our life a couple of weeks ago, your dad, my husband, Pete, had a health crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Now, look, um, I don't ever want to go through that again, and I'm very clear on that. Um, But what I want to say is it has made an indelible impression upon me. Yep. Um, And I don't think that that impression is ever going to go away. It was very scary. However, with exactly two weeks of hindsight and processing time under my belt at this point, what I can say is, is I am very grateful for what I've, what I have learned about myself in the process. Okay. And I am very grateful for the fact that there are resources that I can access uh, to help me um wrestle through what I've learned. And I think your dad feels the same way. So that was an indelible impression. And it is much more complicated, this outcome, than saying, ooh, we had a lemon and we turned it into a lemonade. Yeah. It's it's just not gonna be that clear cut. They're gonna be some it's more nuanced than that. It's yeah. both negative and positive. It's good and it's bad. It's uh, messy and it's mir- miraculous in some ways, these things that we're learning. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to me, I think it's also in keeping with this imagery of compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy for myself, for dad, compassion and mercy being shown to us. And I think coming out of this being uh, a little bit more uh, understanding when other people have sudden health crises like like your dad did. Yeah. And then I've got one more point just because I think our podcast listeners can handle it. But um, in conclusion, what I wanted to say so that I also don't have to go back and rethink this message (laughs) um, is that – in keeping with this theme that we've had that it's hard to know what God is up to in the world, I want to add a second point to that, which is when you're trying to figure out what your 10% better is and all this that I hope you're wrestling with in your daily life, that it's also very hard to figure out what people are up to or where we are in the construction process of being turned, growing into a clay pot. And that is at the end of chapter 9 in Romans when, when it says this. Paul writes, how can we sum this up? 
And now he's going to show us why don't judge yourself or other people too quickly because it's hard to know where people are. All those people who didn't seem interested in what God was doing actually embraced what God was doing as he straightened out their lives. Others who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing missed it. How could they miss it? Because instead of trusting God, they took over. They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were so absorbed in their God projects that they didn't notice God right in front of them like a huge rock in the middle of the road. And so they stumbled into him and went sprawling. And so... um, We don't have to judge ourselves or each other too harshly on this. We don't have to to uh, assume that we know what's happening to us as we're being built in process. Um, that this example of people who are embracing what God is doing as they straighten out their lives is presuming that their lives have aspects that need to be straightened out. And that might be some of those impressions that they've got that lead to some symptoms that need to be addressed. And so I left my study time with Romans 9 extremely encouraged by this vision of being putty in God's hands and um, excited that God initiates everything through compassion and mercy. Yeah, I think any message that emphasizes the fact that um, that we're all works in progress is a good thing. When what's been emphasized so much in Christian culture is the idea that if you're God's, you should be perfect. But then nobody's perfect. Uh, nobody that you encounter is perfect. But they'll and they won't really show you their flaws necessarily or talk about them but you can kind of see them and there's just this whole disconnect of you're not really who you say you are. I know that. You don't seem to know that. I'm not who I say I am. I'm uncomfortable with myself. You end up in this whole cycle of being like none of us is who we say we are. Right. So none of this makes sense and none of it works, but in reality, just kind of been emphasizing the wrong thing anyway. Right. And um, that's actually um, part of... Uh, part of the message that I'm going to do this coming weekend, which I know the timeline's not going to make sense based on when the podcasts get released, but I've got a, I've, I've, in, a, in, in other words, I've got a message coming up where one of the things we're going to be talking about is the fact that uh, we don't really, our hope is not really in our own ability to be good, um, but that God um, covers our inability to be good and desires to do so, which I think is that second part is kind of key and very much fits in with what you're saying, which is we've been told that, that because we're not good, that God had to take matters into his own hands and compensate for our weakness and that he was upset about it. Right. That's so often the message that's given. Right. But in reality, um, God's quite happy for us to be, who we are, quite content with it, and quite content to go to work on our behalf. 
um, so that we may flourish and so that we may flourish in relationship with him. Yeah, I just love that. Yeah. I love learning that. Uh, it, it is not what I was taught, but it is what I believe now to be true. So thank you for that. I cannot wait for your message this weekend. It will be the podcast after this one. But at this point in our podcasting experience, you are probably beginning to hear some beautiful music in the background. Courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions, which can be found on the web at sessions.blue. If you need music for your own podcast or you need something to zone out to while you're at work at your desk that doesn't have lyrics, it's going to distract you from your spreadsheets. Uh, So feel free to look them up. You can look us up on the web if you have not done so before at www.northstarcommunity.com. Currently, we have a campaign underway to get small businesses involved in battling substance use in our community. Uh, If you or someone you know is... Uh, runs or owns or operates a small business, then feel free to to look up this campaign, leadthewayrva.org. You can learn a little bit more about what we're doing there, and um, you can reach out. We would love to partner with you um, in trying to do 10% more, should we say? 10% more. Um, but we appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you soon. Hasta lumbago. <laughs> <laughs>